Hi, I'm Liam O'Rourke, and the big news this week is Shane McMahon returning to WWE. While it's fun and all, I do have a problem if the only two people to beat The Undertaker at WrestleMania end up being the former NCAA, WWE, and UFC champion, and the guy that hangs out with Pete Gass. I'm Carl Jones, and unlike Tom Hanks, I'm enjoying our second week on the island. Frankly, considering he was only going back to Helen Hunt, I don't know why he was so desperate to leave. I'm G. John Chase, and quite frankly, I don't know what Carl's talking about. If I was stuck on an island, I'd rather have Helen Hunt then and a fucking beach ball with a face on it. I'm Luke Edwards. And I believe the truth should always be told. I told you three truths last week, and I tell you what this week, ladies and gentlemen, the truth is we spent ten minutes looking up whether it really was Helen Hunt in that movie. It was. He was right. I'm partial to Twister. And I'm Kieran O'Rourke. And that's right, bitches, I'm back to popper rating. And maybe the Kieran and Kieran show fell through. And who the fuck is Helen Hunt? This is the panel for the 74th Squared Circle Gazette Radio, and you can hear part two of SCG's Desert Island Jewels next. Hello everyone and welcome to the 74th Squared Circle Gazette Radio. I am Liam O'Rourke alongside Carl Jones, Wilson, G. John Chase, Fuck, I was gonna do that. Luke Edwards, something of other Helen Hunt references I'm coming up dry. And back with us, Kieran O'Rourke. What the fuck has happened in the last week? <laughs> the show has not completely fallen off a cliff with all these references, Kieran. Do not worry, I know the Kieran and Kieran show didn't come to fruition, but fear not. We are back this week for our second part of the Desert Island Jewel series. Uh, this, of course, was uh, the idea of Matt Holt, who's not with us this week. So the idea, if you missed last week's show, is, of course, if you have only three matches that you can take to a desert island to watch forevermore, what matches do you choose and why? Of course, do you choose three favourites? Do you choose matches? that are trying to tick as many different boxes as possible or you go for matches that have a personal nostalgic reason and please elaborate so that was what we threw out to you guys you of course threw so much feedback to us that we've uh, broken this down over two separate shows we're going to get to my choices and Kieran's choices throughout the course of this show if you missed last week's show you can of course go back to the archives at squaredcirclegazette.com where we archive every show we ever do and, uh, and you should also like us on Facebook too at uh, facebook.com slash scgradio people should do that uh, but getting now to the first contribution from you the fantastic loyal listeners three matches that we talked about last week so a natural time here Steve Achenik on the Facebook page says the three matches that I chose are Brett Austin from Wrestlemania Flair's 1992 Rumble and Savage Steamboat from Mania 3 they to me are the finest examples of what wrestling matches should be action star power storytelling and entertainment and obviously that ties in quite nicely to two of your picks Carl like we said these were all elaborated on last week so we're not going to have to touch too much on these now or throughout the course of this podcast but certainly worthy choices here from Steve excellent email from Steve Bachenik there and as Meatloaf would say two out of three ain't bad <laughs> uh, we're moving on to a couple of new ones that weren't on last week's show from Alex Haydash on the Facebook page he says gents a pleasure as always I write this of my own free volition and definitely not just because Luke might kill me if I didn't I'm watching you you <laughs> son of a bitch pick number one aka the reliable pocket watch memento gifted by a former lover that keeps fond memories and great time is Triple H X-Pac Dean Malenko Perry Saturn and question mark versus Cactus Jack Rikishi the Rock yeah, and Too Cool yeah. on Raw is War February 7, 2000 not every great wrestling match needs to be a technical masterpiece in order to be a bag of fun and this overbooked yet rather wonderful mess of spots definitely fits the bill red hot wild and totally out of control this huge tag team affair 
Square is the perfect microcosm of what WWF was like in early mid 2000, and that alone is why it makes my list. All of your favourite wrestlers and X Pac are in this one, and it's almost <laughs> impossible to call because the fans are blowing the goddamn roof off the arena. I mean, how often do you see a rock bottom performed in the middle of a match instead of at the end? There were so many moments where you'd swear the wrestlers were acting on nothing except pure adrenaline. Even Earl Hebner, that horrible cretin, gets his ass planted at one point, and Jim Ross completely loses his shit, calling the climactic Pier 6 brawl that inevitably erupts at the end. And if that wasn't crazy enough, you even get Kane in his most triumphant return ever as he makes his way down to ringside through Hellfire and Brimstone to do exactly what he was created to do by God. Throat punch, big boot, and choke slam every poor asshole unlucky enough to be standing in his way. Groovy. So uh, that's that's contribution number one. Number two is second pick, uh, the waterlogged FedEx package that's just chock full of untold mystery and hidden surprises, in his words. Uh, TLC2 from WrestleMania 17. He says, I've always maintained a certain respect for the participants in managing to pull the spectacle off for the third time of asking without it feeling too stale. What does this deserve to be a Desert Island pick? Because it's fun and I don't need another reason. Obviously, we talked more about that match on the previous week's show, but as we did for the next one, but I want to get to this contribution because pick number three, aka the bloodstained, albeit plucky Wilson football that I would decided is my new best friend and my last ditch chance at retaining sanity the career ending match between the ultimate warrior and macho king randy savage at wrestlemania 7 if there's one true classic confrontation that even a former fan like me couldn't be without then it would have to be this one the casablanca of wrestling matches seeing the ultimate warrior walking his way down to the ring is my favorite moment in all of wrestling history what a totally inspired and unexpected way to sell the gravity of what's about to be seen it's stunning and it still makes me smile even now likewise is randy savage's consistent knack to make every feud he's in look like a blood feud. This guy seems to forget that it's all make-believe when he's out there, such as the intensity in his eyes and the power in his ceaseless finger-pointing. Seeing the Ultimate Warrior pace himself once is great too, and he even employs a bit of subtlety in between the usual clotheslines and stumps like when he aborts the gorilla press to slap Savage's face. Brilliant. I admit, the five elbow drops is complete overkill, but I still love Savage's expression immediately following the kickout, and Warrior soon after Macho kicks out of his tackle splash thingy. This was in a time where you rarely saw kickouts to finishers, so the effect was coupled with a white-hot crowd and Gorilla Monsoon saying, NOBODY'S GOT UP FROM THIS, really makes it extra special. The visual of that motionless, climactic pinfall is just perfect. What a way to make another wrestler look good. And just after I got done learning that you should always make the other guy look weak and yourself look strong, stay classy, Hogan at Mania 6. Hindsight may suggest that the wrong guy won here, but it's crucial to the story that Savage hit rock bottom so that the lovely Elizabeth, TM, can be the one rescuing him for a change. That bit where he holds the ropes open for her, just like she had done for him so many times in the past, this was a moment literally years in the making, it's tremendous. This match teaches that there can be dignity in losing, in overcoming defeats and finding out that winning wasn't the most important thing after all. By WWF standards, it's even kind of poetic, if you like this kind of mush. Action, drama, betrayal, self-doubt, romance, communicating with the space overlords, this match has got it all and I just can't quit it I think Monsoon said it best what a woman and what a man <laughs> fantastic analysis yeah, from out there and obviously we did talk about this match last week this was a nomination so I don't think we have to dwell too much there but just before we, uh, we move on any of those three matches that were just mentioned there on anybody else's uh periphery when we're making the lists yeah that that uh, that first one there and i can't even spend the time to read out all the participants yeah. again but that tag match is uh, is one that i don't know if it's just me but every so often i remember it happening mm. i will forget it within three weeks but there'll be a period where it'll suddenly pass through my memory and i'll go i wonder if that's on youtube let me tell you something folks it's on youtube and it's great it's just great it's completely insane and it has 
has no right to be as well regarded as it is but it absolutely deserves it it's such fun yeah I, I agree it was a match I, I did consider for quite a while uh, when I was trying to think of multi-man matches and uh, yeah it was a match I, I didn't know about until I, I started doing these podcasts and I, I believe it was uh, was Luke who, uh, who told me about this match so I ended up watching it on YouTube and like Luke it's one of those matches that kind of you, you enjoy it and you think it's absolutely fantastic and then it instantly kind of like leaves your head but like every every now and again you do just remember it so I, every now and again I would just you know pop on YouTube and watch it and then the whole time waiting for it to end up on the network because you're waiting and waiting and waiting and as soon as they loaded up the 2000 Raws the first thing I went to <laughs> was, this match. was this match to watch it in HD glory yeah good stuff here very good nominations uh, BPS 21 on the F4W board with three nominations here Flair vs Steamboat from Clash of the Champions because it's my favourite number two Austin vs Hart from Mania 13 because it's my second favourite and three Big Show vs Braun Strowman from last week's Raw <laughs> to remind myself that things could be worse than being stranded on the island Flair and Steamboat and Austin and Hart like we said got picked last week Austin and Hart is on my three I can see Kieran moving into the oaken table here so that uh, I'm assuming this might be on yours as well as it is mine it certainly is yes. how could not be yeah Classic, classic, the best match in WWE history. Classic Brett, classic Steve Austin, two of the greatest of all time in one beautiful package. Of course, it's got to be on the list. Yeah, no the no doubt about it. The double turn, the time and place of this match, everything about it, the blurred, one of the most iconic visuals in wrestling history, Steve Austin pushing out the sharpshooter. It's all been said before, and damn it, it should have been because it was <laughs> absolutely fucking marvellous. Uh, get to a few different ones here. Harmonic Generate on the UK fan form says, Great topic. Desert Island Discs may be old, but it's still absolutely worth a listen. I'm all about Radio 4, which is, of course, the radio show we stole this topic from. Uh, his nomination is The Undertaker versus Triple H from WrestleMania 27. This is my personal favourite match of all time. I honestly believe that it's a gift to wrestling fans. What a fucking treat to have been their life for this match. The moment where Triple H hit the tombstone on Undertaker and Undertaker kicked out. The noise of the crowd reacting to it. Triple H's face like he's seen the fucking devil. This is why I love wrestling. Throughout the match, they've been dragging people in, hooking them, grabbing them, and it all culminates here at this stretch of a few seconds. For these moments, I was 100% completely and totally invested. I was sucked in. I thought he'd won it. Everybody did. I can remember myself going, no, 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 yes, thank God, when it was happening. What a match. Uh, and Harmonic Generator also voted for TLC too, much like uh, Al and their Ultimate Warrior Randy Savage also just like Al so uh, yeah take a Triple H we were talking about the Hell in a Cell match last week which got a nomination this one I thought was the better one personally uh, take her in trips at Mania in No Holds Barred I'm in disagreement with you I, I prefer the Hell in a Cell match the match at Mania 27 is just it's one I never gravitated to at all you know, sort of overuse if you like of, of the chair and I think the uh, the coal mine was used at one point. It, it seemed like just a lot of smoke and mirrors to me, and it was almost as if I, I, I'm, I am sort of paraphrasing an analogy someone else used, and I can't remember who who the source was. So apologies for not crediting them. It's like playing No Mercy to me. It was it was it was like a video game sort of a match, and I just, I couldn't I just couldn't gravitate to it. I didn't get caught up in it at all. Yeah, did you kind of get the vibe that this was uh, the smoke and mirrors was an effort to try and kind of live up to the uh, legacy of the previous two Sean take matches at Wrestlemania well that kind of sums up Triple H's career <laughs> um, but no I, that's 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 very much my sentiment is uh, I, I love both well I, the first Sean and Taker match made my list not the first first the first Mania yes uh, Sean and Taker, Mania 25 match made my list um, the, the Triple H match is like that is very argue very easily arguably the best false finish in history I really, you know, really I, I good one. It, it was really, really good. I can't remember another thing about that match. 
it was a great false finish. It was brilliant. The, even the camera work was fantastic. That's, 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 every single element of that false finish was great. Because there was only one guy. You could, any other guy in the roster, Tombstone's Taker, Taker's still kicking out. But Triple H, yeah. with that pin, with that facial expression. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was perfect. It was, it was a one time only deal. And, but like I say, the rest of the match, it was, we keep using self-conscious epic, possibly driven into the ground at this point. But this was, trying to out epic a pair of epics uh, in some ways I, I i i just it didn't hook me sadly um yeah yeah i i'm in agreement to some degree i i, I still like i said like the match a lot but uh, i wouldn't consider this my personal pick i will actually say that homage generator did write a lot about this match on the uk fan form a great write-up so i want to give a mention to that attitude 316 on wrestlingforum.com says triple h versus cactus jack from the royal rumble 2000 this match had it all the violence the in-ring psychology the excitement the storytelling it had so much nostalgia plays a huge part in this as it's the most memorable match of my childhood no one had seen anything quite like this in the wwf before at this point now i know there's hell in a cell 98 but this just felt different it felt more edgy and raw the setting of msg along with the entrance set the 2x4 wrapped in barbed wire the pedigree and the thumbtacks it was just pure violence now his second pick is rock and steve austin from wrestlemania 17 which again we mentioned last week so you can go back and listen to that in our previous show triple h versus the rock at backlash 2000 is his third pick uh, after what went down at wrestlemania 2000 the people were demanding the rock finally capture the world title and he didn't disappoint the long build of rock chasing the title for so many months finally culminated in such an incredible moment that it was almost emotional it was that epic. Skipping to the part where that glass shatters and the arena comes unglued, I get goosebumps and fill with adrenaline every time without fail. When Rock hits Triple H with the spine buster and goes for the people's elbow, the crowd are creaming their pants. The emotion in that arena that night was like nothing else. When they're counting the three with a ref, it's indescribable. The electricity once Rock finally wins? Wow. Very Attitude Era-centric picks, I know, but matches from then hold a special place in my heart and that's all there is to it. Thanks for reading, guys. So, uh, two picks that hadn't been mentioned previously, two Triple H matches, Rock and Mick Foley. The, 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 the Cactus one at Royal Rumble, that's a, that's a humdinger. How how wonderfully giving is Mick Foley? <laughs> Just what a what I a stellar what a what a stellar man he is. You know, learning, you know, sitting under the learning tree of Terry Funk, he's there to uh, to give the rub to Triple H. But uh, there, there's something about I think, and we touched on it last week. There's a, there's a vibe when it comes to an MSG show, and there's there, there is sort of an, an aura around a show that's at Madison Square Garden, and it gives it a, a sense of gravitas. But even even little things like the fact that the entrance way looks like an alleyway and it all ties into the street fight theme is is wonderful. It's Jerry Lauder is, is still at this point to me a, a good heel announcer. It's sort of one of one of his last hurrahs, I think. Not the first Jer- time I've heard you praise Jerry Lauder. <laughs> I know. I know. Goes to show you how how memorable this match was. Jr. is as always. He's, he's great on the call. And whilst the email I referenced um, Hell in a Cell, having seen all that. The spectacle of seeing Foley pedigreed onto the thumbtacks no, just made, made me completely lose my mind. After one of my other favourite near falls in wrestling history, when Foley got backdropped on the tax and then walked into the pedigree and kicked out, and it's like, God damn, nothing is going to stop Cactus Jack. And then what's the only thing that can yeah. pedigree? Which, yeah. And it's like when, when he actually kicks him and he goes out and you can hear the <gasps> in the crowd. Yeah. It's beautiful. I love. I, this is a great match. And it's it's it, it's a fine example there with the kick out of the, the first pedigree that sense of how you can you can make yourself look strong without needing to win. Yeah, a couple of good shapes there. Again, that oh, I don't know the way Carl just waxed lyrical with his silver tongue there just kind of made me think. Do I, do I want to want to put this in there? Oh, this know. happened to me last week. I kept changing. I'm I'm flexible. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm going to put it on my short list. I think 
work this out. Um, and again, I was thinking I wanted the possibility of putting a rock match in there. Just you know, you want to see some rock when you're all alone. Mm. So um, <laughs> I don't think it will though. Maybe if I could take like some extras as like a promo yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, we've already started bending the rules, <laughs> have we? So uh, yeah, some some some, uh, some secret hidden contraband that you got on your person. <laughs> well, at least rock up his ass. Yeah, smuggled <laughs> <into> the desert <laughs> Smuggled the rock up his ass. <laughs> yeah, there's a point in that Triple H rock match at Backlash after the match is finished. Actually, where Rock's just standing in the middle of the ring with mm. the belt. He's not doing really anything. He's just kind of mm. looking around, yeah. and the crowd is still pissing their pants at the fact that mm. Rock's finally the champion after all this time as a babyface is what everybody wanted for like a year and a half at this point and he, he finally mm. got it and it was like I just remember like watching that back and just like the birds of like mm. these people are going ballistic and of course the Austin running's great yeah. just shelling everybody it's just class it's a yes yeah, it's, 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 really, it's a really great match with the right finish it's just, it's just such a shame they didn't do it at Wrestlemania exactly that's the only thing that's holding it back for me because if I'm on an island I'm going to be getting pissed off that Rock yeah. didn't win the belt at Mania <laughs> yeah exactly so, the obvious no, no, no anger on the island was a big thing for me as well actually but, when you say but that. doesn't that I don't want to say you wouldn't have got a great reaction if he'd won at Backlash mm. if he'd already won at Mania because you, you still would get a reaction if it was a rematch and, and Rock retained you would still get a great reaction but that eruption that you get from the from the crowd that night I think is is because of what happens at Mania I don't think you get as big a reaction if, if what happens at Mania doesn't happen well yeah and in the grand scheme of things it's not like they missed the boat on not taking it yeah. at Mania yeah. so I mean th- there is that and it, it, all, it all works out fine but it's just you know it's one of them little pet peeves mm. I was more pissed off with what they went on to do the following month in truth yeah let's bring it back to the Triple H Foley match which is just like um Obviously, I was debating over the Sean uh, uh, Mankind match uh, as putting in there, but um, whew, this this is right up there with, with that one in terms of just great. And it's it's a story as well, isn't it? It's yeah. not you know builds you, layer upon yeah, layer. Yes, great. you know it, the, the, it, it's violent, but it but it escalates. It builds to a mm. crescendo. It's not like your bog standard. Here's Hardcore Holly versus Al Snow with the, the you know the yeah. dustbin lids. And and also that's like, on my list. <laughs> Triple H and Mick Foley isn't the only match that's happened at Madison Square Garden that's been magical, but it's just but it's one that I remember so well because it was the first live title match that I watched getting back into wrestling because Rumble was the first show coming back in. This, this was Channel Four, of course, for us here yeah. in the UK. When yeah. Channel Four got their first pay per view, and at school this match was huge. The legend yeah. of this match, the morning mm. after it happened, before I even yeah. seen the show, was ridiculous. Mm. Can I just ask, have you been watching Harry Potter or something? Because you're all about magic this week <laughs> now Helen Hunt isn't in that one <laughs> she's no. not the angry Scotsman on F4W says Bret Hart vs Mr. Perfect from SummerSlam 91 the match that made me a fan a great story from beginning to end and a fantastic match from two greats which again another match we mentioned last week uh, HBK vs Kurt Angle from Mania 21 is also on his list my favourite match ever he says and the one I show to non-wrestling fans to illustrate why I love pro wrestling so much <laughs> for those of you off who can't see us obviously which is all of you yeah. Kieran looks like he's about to shit himself. <laughs> yeah, Sean and Kurt. Oh. Two guys at the top of their game, including an epic finale where the right guy went over, plus Kurt Angle's rendition of Sexy Kurt in the builder yes. has haunted my dreams for years. I'm just a sexy Kurt, I'll make your ankle hurt. And uh, his third pick is Daniel Bryan versus Batista versus Orton. Not the most perfectly sound technical match around, but as a culmination of storytelling, emotion, spots, and one of the most memorable sights in Mania history, this one gets me every time. I remember watching it with my eight-year-old daughter, and living the event through her eyes was a very special father-daughter moment. So, uh, and again, that's another match we mentioned last week, but I wanted to get that in there because there's a bit of a personal touch on that one. So, uh, a, good, a good pick. Three good picks there. Very solid picks, actually. HBK Angle. Uh, I, the, the, I'm getting a Sean match in on my three. 
this is this is battling with two others for the Sean spot on my on my my list. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make my decision at the end of the show. I'll take sexy Kurt. Sexy Kurt for the island. That's fucking hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. <laughs> Crossface Chicken Wing on Pro Wrestling Only says Rick Flair versus Ricky Steamboat from Clash Six. Which I love the match and have watched it many times without ever losing interest. This would be my first choice because one, the match is awesome. Two, it brings back great memories of my early tape trading days. And three, the match lasts an hour, so that's an hour of time where I won't be bored on the island. And four, it's Flair and Steamboat. If you're a wrestling fan on a desert island you've got to have at least one flare steamboat match to watch uh, he also picks the 1992 Royal Rumble which got a lot of love last week and, uh, and his third match he chooses Terry Funk versus Stan Hansen April 83 a wild match between two guys who can temporarily help you forget that you're stuck on a desert island this is from all Japan cracking little match although I, I wouldn't take it because it's as good a brawl as it is to set up match the end's got Dory Funk running in it's, it's, it's setting up more stuff non-finished DQ there is one great spot in there where Terry Funk gets crotched on the top rope and then the way he sells it is by getting off grabbing his nuts and running a 40 yard dash down the aisle <laughs> it's just hilarious a great visual but again a great brawl between uh, and, and it's, it, it, there's an authenticity to the match that I really really love with cracking stuff but I, I wouldn't put it on my list personally uh, Scott Malbrank on the UK fan forum says Shawn Michaels versus Triple H from SummerSlam 2002 ah! <laughs> I've never been so intensely invested in a match as I was in this one. Even though I was 22 years old at the time and knew wrestling was fake, for that half hour or so I believed it was real again thanks to a stunning performance from HBK. I was genuinely worried for Sean's back and that is the best compliment I can give a wrestling match. When Triple H hit him with the sledgehammer after Michael's dramatic roll-up, I was up off my seat, wishing fire poker, cacti and pumice stone rape on Triple H and cursing him from a height, believing he really might hurt him again. Absolutely brilliant stuff and the last time I genuinely cared about a match to that extent uh, is two other nominations here are the Royal Rumble 92 of course and The Shield vs. The Wyatts from Elimination Chamber 2014 an unpopular choice but this match excited me it was fresh and it made me so happy I kept persisting with watching wrestling it had it all for me I will say uh, just quickly during the description of uh, Triple H and Sean I thought Kieran was going to cry he's close to tears I've never cried once in my life. <laughs> Even when I was born, the doctor Paul met my mother's womb and slapped my ass. I just looked him straight in the eye and slapped him straight back. <laughs> Sorry. With uh, his third choice, I think. If I was to pick a match from the last two years or so, I guess um, I, that that White Shield, I would I would have up there because I just remember. Uh, one, being annoyed that it wasn't at Mania because neither one of them did anything better for them. But plus, just remember how hot how hot the crowd was for that match both the build when they initially hinted to the fact they were going to wrestle and then during the actual match itself they're doing the stare down they haven't started the match yet and they're already doing this is awesome chance which I know they, they now throw in any any opportunity in that instant it's, it felt like quite genuine both were absolutely dominating in, in their respective feuds or whatever and suddenly they just clashed together it was just fucking awesome the action from beginning to end was fantastic and I remember just thinking like damn it this should have been a fucking mania when the shield ended up just facing what was it it was the outlaws and Kane oh, oh. oh yeah that was better um, at least they squashed him yeah. yeah probably actually you know what that's actually the last time I thought the Wyatts were booked effectively yeah, I was thinking because they won. <laughs> yeah, change. exactly. Yeah, actually, the fact that the Whites won, I'm not going to even consider this because I do. <laughs> I did want a, a Shield match in there because I fucking love the Shield, but I'm not. Well, you that. Go with, uh, if you want a Shield one, what about um, the TLC against Brian Kane and Ryback? Right right back. Back? The thing is, 
Sean and Triple H has got to go in my list. Yeah, it's making it. Is, is this number yeah. two? This is number two, baby. You're cementing it in. It's in. Yeah. It's in. It's in. It is in. Lock it in. And with that, my <laughs> list is decided. Cagney, the villain on WrestlingForum.com, says the Ultimate Warrior versus IC Champ Rick Rude at SummerSlam '89. Uh, this was the first pay per view I saw as a kid, so I've got a lot of good memories from this show. Great match and built momentum throughout. Great announcing and a great finish. Uh, uh, also goes for the 10 man tag at Canadian Stampede super hot crowd and the wrestlers seem to channel that energy great announcing too it's what I love about wrestling and his third and final pick is The Rock versus Mankind from Raw Mankind beating The Rock with Austin Telt was so cool to see I remember the next day at school every kid who watched wrestling was talking about this it was crazy every time I catch this I get goosebumps seeing the whole crowd pop the way they did plus I never expected Mankind to win the world title even the energy in the building made it seem like something big was going down Carl this was your third match last week nobody voted for it last week so I want to get that in here. Noid at TPWW Forum says, Number one, Paul London versus Billy Kidman from No Mercy 2004. This might seem like an obscure match, but I really love it. Paul London and Billy Kidman won the tag team titles, and Kidman started fucking up his already dangerous looking shooting star fresh and squished Charbo's head. Kidman then acted like this really haunted him, and he portrayed a true heel for the first time in the WWE when he turned his back on London. I was a huge London mark at the time, and so to see him show such fire impressed me. He ran right out of the start and went straight to brawling, a such that felt organic, and the whole match really had has a nigh-perfect psychology. The spot where London shows up Kidman's shooting star with his own London calling is brilliant. It's a shame they dropped this feud. Uh, the Royal Rumble 2001 is his second pick, my favourite Rumble, and the match that solidified my wrestling fandom. I know Kane might only be the second favourite wrestler of Carl, but as a mark, I really enjoyed him back then, and to see him go on such a tear was not only unexpected, but rewarding. This had a bunch of colourful characters show up, a nice little hardcore deviation, and felt like one of the better Rumbles the WWF ever put together. And pick number three for him is Cesaro vs is Sami Zayn in the 2 out of 3 falls match on NXT. Tough to choose a definitive third, but without ever seeing what their ROH work, these two won me over with their program in NXT. I think their 2 out of 3 falls match was the best. This was the first time that Cesaro made me go, holy fucking shit, what a fucking beast! I've been a fan ever since. I'm guessing that reaction would have been to the moment when Cesaro catches Zayn and then has to kind of like run around the ring while he's trying to get under him to hook him up for the yeah, uppercut. Fucking, like you're practically deadlifting the guy. Oh, it's, like, it's fucking insane. Ridiculous show of strength. London Kibben is, is, is a, a forgotten little uh, fun match from No Mercy. Uh, part of the real, yeah, real, the nadir of uh, Smackdown, the arse end of Smackdown history with JBL as champion, the Heidenreich period. Uh, oh, but this, <laughs> but this, this, was, this was the match though when they did the, the, the cool spot where uh, you did the shooting star press, injured him, they put him on the stretcher at the end and then uh, Kibben does the shooting star with him on the stretcher and actually like, it got heat. It was, it was good stuff here. Yeah, it, it was a shame that it was, it was dropped so soon after this. I'm not mistaken, Kidman didn't actually last too much longer. Either, no, no, he was in, he got in some uh, some bad books. Mm, but it, oh. it, it's funny with with that email and with the uh, the one from Mister the Villain prior to that, <laughs> where they they both reference sort of uh, I think it was the Rumble solidifying the fandom, and with the the reference to Warrior Rude being the first pay per view that, that they'd seen as a child. It, it, we're going back to those sort of hallmarks of last week, where it's that, it's that nostalgia tone and, and your early memories that you're always inclined to look back on favourably. Yeah, that's why I think that the concept of the show is actually interesting. It's not the best matches, it's the personal touch. It's what I like about this. I actually wanted to mention on that Rude Warrior match, that's a really good match that I didn't see at the time that it happened, obviously, but uh, seeing it in, in retrospect, this was a, a far better match than I thought it was going to be. It just blew me away, I'm actually. I say, a, a far better match than I think um, anyone had a right to expect going in. Cesaro Zane match is, uh, is quite an interesting call. Uh, obviously a great match by the two of them, and... Um, 
I, but before that match, I kind of already started to rate Cesaro quite a bit because it was like you, you, you could kind of see the potential of him. And, and but with Zayn, I think this was like I think it's quite significant. This was the the first time that I heard of a must see match in NXT. The Young Liar from F4W says his first pick is Team WWF versus The Alliance from Survivor Series 2001. This match has a lot of nostalgia for me. Say what you want about how terribly the invasion angle went, and we have done before, uh, <laughs> but I really enjoyed this match when I was younger and still do. There's a bit of comedy with Shane in there, great intensity between Rock and Austin at this time, great seeing Booker in the WWF finally, the Brothers of Destruction when they're at their best, <laughs> and of course, Heyman and Ross on commentary is great. That's a lofty benchmark, that is. <laughs> <laughs> the Brothers of Destruction at their yeah. best? Yeah. Mid-card is beware. Yeah. Yeah. Super Smash Brothers versus The Young Bucks versus Future Shock in the ladder match at Three Menders 3. Uh, love this match, it's what got me into pro wrestling gorilla. And his third pick is Triple H versus Shawn Michaels at SummerSlam 2002 as well. Gets on the list. I'm all for uh, adding like you know different styles of matches. He's got a ladder match. He's got a Survivor Series match. He's got a street fight. I, I like the variety. I-, I can't get on board with the Alliance match. I, I just have too sour a taste in my mouth for the entire thing. No, to be honest, it's you know. But then like, he like, did say it's a nostalgia pick. So yeah, I suppose maybe maybe it's more a a knock against ourselves that we can't sort of you know divest ourselves from from the storyline as a whole. I just always sit there and think it, the final battle between two companies in theory. And it comes down to Austin Rock. (laughs) And you just, you know, just can't get away from that. Um, With regards to the second choice, I can't say I've seen the match, but on the basis that the young books are in it, I wouldn't pick it. I might go and watch that. It's it's a fun enough match, but it's it's also... It's one of those acquired taste matches, kind of like Shikara, where it's like... Don't get me wrong, there's some great high spots in there. But when you're at a spot where the young books end up on the floor goes to do dives the referee stops them hits the ropes himself and there's a flip dive a referee under the young books it's not my taste personally yeah, that's all I'm saying I, I might go um, watch that yeah. <laughs> I can, I can, uh, I'm it might be yours but uh, I would be actually I'm kind, of, I'm kind of surprised so far due to like some of the variety we had that no one's mentioned uh, a Dragon Gate match yet more on that later okay yeah that alliance one's a bit tricky I mean even if we were to try and like you know better ourselves Carl and try and forget about the the, the, the atrocity that was the invasion and, and try and try and like just see the match for what it is I don't know for me personally surely the invasion one was, was better than this one in terms of main event the, the multi-man it's not about the better it's about nostalgia for the individual isn't it this, well, this yeah. is the thing. I will say with that whole invasion thing though to me that's the exact opposite of what I talked about with the uh, John Cena CM Punk match last time because in that one you had all these possibilities opening up and this uh, the end, this end, by the end of this match it was all the possibilities of the invasion coming to this point of yep they fucked it <laughs> <laughs> yeah Fanny Pack on the UK fan form says I'm splitting my three into categories an epic match a fun match and the best type of match an awesome Austin match. <laughs> yes! Michaels versus Taker at Mania 25. This is my epic match pick. I'm not even going to attempt to explain this one because it doesn't need any explaining. TLC from Mania X7. One of the funnest watches in a perverse way due to the sheer carnage. Loads of personalities, lots of spots, and the X7 crowd is awesome. And my last pick is the Austin versus Brett match from Mania 13. It was the best match ever. That is all. Three belter matches that I would gladly spend years watching with my desert island best friend, Sondaco. The ball from Sports Direct. Another <laughs> reference to Castaway. I wonder how many of this is going to be on this show. <laughs> I'll, I'll just pose this question to you, Liam, because this WrestleMania 17 one's cropped up um, yeah. a few times now. And I'm more along the lines of, of what you mentioned last week in that I prefer the first TLC match. And I just wond- I wondered what your reasoning b- behind that was, because uh, for me, it's the way it's in such a large venue at 17, the, the, the sort of 
the optics, the noise doesn't quite travel as quickly. I think that that sort of that plays a part in it for me, and yeah. I wondered if there was something similar there. That's exactly yourself. what it is. I, I, when I watched that, plus the thing is, when I watched the second one, obviously watching it in real time, it's like there's the, there's the expectation that you get, and it's like okay, we've we've, we've seen that we've seen the four from the ladder through the four tables at ringside. We've seen the Swanton bomb from the big ladder before. It's like yeah, yeah we've we've seen we've even seen Jeff hang from the belts and get speared as, as spectacular as that was. That yeah, happened on Raw. On Raw, yeah. And, and unfortunately for the style of wrestling, this is that, that the, the stunt show. Mm. When you're comparing stunt to stunt, it's gonna it's, it, it resonated with me far more the first time I saw all these things. And SummerSlam 2000 had a hot crowd as well. So all those things combined, I, I think that SummerSlam 2000 would take it for me. If I had to take either of these two, I'd take SummerSlam. You think? Do you think it was a case of maybe they thought that? They possibly knew all knew all that, which is why they threw in Rhino and oh, Luke totally. and Spike as sort of little accoutrements, if you like. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's exactly the reason. Harry Wiseau from the UK fan form says the '92 Rumble for all the reasons everyone else says. His second pick is Lesnar versus Cena from SummerSlam 2004, partly because I don't want everyone on this island watching the same matches as each other. But partly because he just keeps on going. German, followed by German, with Heyman counting along. He just keeps going. It's ace. Cena sells it brilliantly. Lesnar just looks like a fucking monster. Great stuff. And uh, his third match is the Bailey sasha Iron Man match. The Iron Man has Sasha making Izzy cry, which I could watch all day long. Also, if I'm relaxing in a gentleman's manner on this island, then 30 minutes of Sasha isn't bad. There are other women's matches which, if they're there for purely that reason, would top it. This is anything with blue pants, but this is an ace match as well, so it ticks many boxes. Uh, I just want to clarify one thing. We're not all on this island together, are we? Because this is a right sausage. I, sure I think that's a great <laughs> fucking I idea. I sure everyone's going to the same island, and there's only one TV, and we're all having a queue to watch a damn match. Yeah. Lesnar's seen a SummerSlam that kind of caught me off guard as a pick I prefer again I don't want to get into the, you know, my preference but obviously the Extreme Rules match is the first one that came to mind Lesnar's comeback match the sour taste of Lesnar losing at the end it qualifies that I don't want to get pissed off on my desert island so it's, it's, it's hard to rank that match I find it's, it's, it's so spectacular in such a different way that uh, I can see if, if this resonates with you this resonates hard yeah, it, it's sort of it, it's, a, it's a special case isn't it because you're not used to seeing such a one-sided glorious shit-kicking oh, of the main guy. event that that was and clean <laughs> ab- absolutely and it, it being Cena and I'm, I'm not a Cena hater by any means but you expect these sort of superhuman feats from Cena don't you you, you know even even during the match at the time when he's getting his ass absolutely handed to him, I was waiting for, for a comeback to develop at some point and you do get a little bit of fighting underneath you know he, he gets the STFU in and bits like that and then Lesnar just smiles at him and sticks his tongue out yeah. and it's just it's, it's just it's one of those matches that's incredibly jarring and I think like you say it's, it's one of those where if you, if you take to it you really take to it it's a really uh, special match. I think I was. Did I? Was, was I here to watch that? You were indeed. I seem to remember. Yes, because we were all waiting for that comeback, and that yep. never came. And but for me, um, it was the right match at the wrong time. If that had been the booking for the Extreme Rules match, that, that you know the first comeback match, then that whole Lesnar run would have been so amazing, top to bottom. But because that had already happened, it's that you know, I know they say wrestling fans' memories are only so long for the purposes of like, reason wrestling, but. That really soured it for me. Same as when uh, the whole Daniel Bryan winning at Mania thing was not as um, amazing for me as the fact he'd already, for all intents and purposes, won six months ago in a, in a big display. So, yeah, just really, really interesting, unique match. Kind of soured by the fact that we'd already had that match with a completely different layout. Yeah, but but you weren't supposed to remember it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This was part of the Lesnar rehab phase after he uh, ended the streak. So yeah. the fact that this was originally going to be Daniel Bryan getting the shit kicking, which was the plan, 
Oh. So the idea was that obviously Mick Lesnar the most hated man in the world. He breaks the streak, which everyone hated, and then he killed Brian in this fashion, which everyone would have absolutely despised. And then Roman Reigns beats him at Mania. And then <laughs> that was the plan. Instead, Brock Lesnar gets over like God. He, he, he rapes John Cena <laughs> and turns babyface. Are we saying the WWE <laughs> can only get people over by accident? <laughs> oh shit, man, we got him over. Tenny Sawe on Pro Wrestling Only says Mitsuharu Misawa versus Kenta Kabashi, March first, two thousand and three. The last great. Battle between these two legends. This match was everything they did in old Japan, ramped up to one million. I show this match to all my friends who have never seen any Puro. Uh, this is the uh, the match in No, obviously most memorable for the uh, Tiger Suplex off the ramp to the floor. Oh, that's oh, fucking that stupid. Where right? Kabashi yeah, yeah. just eats it. Kabashi wins the the GHC title and starts a fantastic run here. I I, I don't begrudge any Masawa Kabashi match on anyone's list, and this one is as valid as any. Especially as a Kabashi fan, I love this one. That Suplex is brutal. <laughs> I, I I don't on in sort of principle disagree with with a, a Masao pick by any means but um, it, it's one of those with Masao sort of the, the manner of the death oh, yeah. plays a part for me and it always makes a, a little bit like like Ben Wine, the sense of you can watch things in his matches that make you feel a bit uncomfortable yeah. in retrospect it's only seems like a chest that's like, oh. yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and it, for me it's, it's, it's the same with Masao I'd like to know at what point when they were planning that match that they thought it was a good idea to do a tiger suplex off the ramp <laughs> Like, I think what, they, what the <laughs> fuck were they on? <laughs> <laughs> what, what's this like? They, they, they had expectations they have to surpass, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, he also picks Dean Malenka versus Ultimo Dragon from Starcade 96, my favourite cruiserweight match and one of the best openers ever. His third pick is AJ Styles versus Minoru Suzuki from the G1 Climax, uh, 24, oh. day 7. Oh, yes. Oh, this match is just perfect. Suzuki was just unworldly here. His arm work and facials made the whole thing work. His heel work was so excellent, he made Styles, who was also a heel, come out looking like a super baby face. This was a cracking match and, and got a lot of love yeah. at the time, and rightfully so. An awesome G1 climax that year. Yeah, because like, if, if I remember right, by that point, AJ had already wrestled, uh, I think, Naito and... Tanahashi? No, he'd wrestled Okada in first. Okada, first that's it, that's yeah. it. I knew it was another name. He'd already wrestled a couple of big names, had really good matches, but it was this Suzuki one, which I don't I don't think necessarily anyone thought it was going to be a bad match or a weak match or anything like that, but really like was like a surprise one I think of like it, how good it really was. I think what it was, this is what I, cause I remember when we were, gee, when we were looking at the lineup for the G1 yeah. comics, I said that match will either be absolutely fucking yeah. phenomenal or it will just be kind of underwhelming. Yeah. Because it, it, I saw no in between because of the styles, yeah. the way yeah, it would yeah, mesh. Yeah, like, and I think what happened because because obviously Okada and Aita have um, uh, slightly softer styles in terms of like the usual Japanese wrestling, uh, so like AJ Con was easily adaptable to this. While Suzuki is a lot more kind of like in your face, I'm going to slap the taste out of your mouth. Yeah, kind slap of thing. your face, break your arm. AJ selling this yeah. match is so good, and, and so I think it really helped AJ get over with the crowd in terms of like being like legit kind of like yeah. he can hang with, with with the strong style kind of wrestlers you know with the, with the Nakamuras and, and the Shibatas as well and so on when I think of AJ in, in New Japan I think that you know, he won the title so early it felt like he I wasn't getting yeah. over quite so much but it was the G1 yeah. when he really yeah. hit it strong he, he, he did have a really good run but I think yeah I think the highlight for him was that, that G1 climax the first G1 yeah. Cannibal Man on the UK fan forum with his first pick says Samoa Joe versus Necro Butcher from IWA Mid-South something to prove 2004 
2005. Hard to think of a match I've been able to watch as many times as I have this and still come away loving it as much as I did when I first saw it. It kicks off at 100 miles an hour and just doesn't slow down. It kicks off with Samojo throwing the fucking referee headfirst out the ring, then Necro, then a suicide dive, and it keeps that pace. It's under 10 minutes long too. It's everything the type of match that the people wanted the first Sabu and Cactus match to be. As mentioned, it's never lost its shine. It's still as demented and hard to watch and wild as it was 11 years ago. Joe and Necro is perfect. This is the match where Joe goes to give the, uh, the exploder off the apron and Necro can't take so he just lands on his face, pretty much. <laughs> Fucking ugly. Yeah. On the concrete, too. It's fast, frantic, violent, but the commentary really pisses me off. Yeah? Awful. I think it's terrible. Yeah. I'd hold that against it too. I'll tell you what, I'm actually quite surprised not one person has actually said like something like Samoa Joe Punk yet. No, no one did. No one in the feedback said Punk Joe. Yeah, I'm Kieran? Surprised not one punk person. sucks. <laughs> yeah, I'm just surprised not one person's mentioned that. In terms of like, Guilty. In terms of like thinking of Ring of Honor matches, surely that would have been, that would have been up there. For a second pick. Chooses CM Punk versus John Cena from Raw, uh, February 25th, 2013. As much as I love the Money in the Bank match, I think this match edges out that one as their best. I wish I could give some well thought out explanation as to why, but truthfully, it might just be down to the pile driver that Punk gives Cena. This match on Raw has what I feel like none of their other matches had, and that's total desperation from both of them. Watching it back now, with how it was at the time and CM Punk's eventual thoughts on his position on the card, they both just look so absolutely fucking determined to take this win and go on to the main event of WrestleMania and nothing sums it up better than that one pile drive out of fucking nowhere. It's not often I've ever been sat at home and reacted physically and audibly to wrestling since I was about four, but I honestly sat there watching this live, tense as fuck, with absolutely no idea how this was going to go, and when that pile driver landed, I wish I could say I said or did something profound, but I just bolted up and yelled, FUCK OFF, as loud as I could. It was and still is mental. The rest of the match as well, though, still first class. Fantastic storytelling, still their best to me, one that I could watch over and over, and his third pick is Triple H Cactus from the Rumble which we've already talked about but uh, Punk Cena got a lot of love for the Money in the Bank match I do like this one on Raw and uh, they put this on the DVD for like the WWE's 50 year anniversary if I remember rightly and uh, I'm glad it's a very good match it is a really good match but uh, I have that that problem again where it's again it's, it's more of a, a criticism of myself in that I can't really latch on to it in the way that I did with the with the first Punk Cena match, I wouldn't say it's a failure. It's, it's it's two different. It's two completely different matches at two completely different points. The the, the first one felt at the time like we were on the cusp of something. Whereas this one, as much as I wish I could say personally, I thought Punk had a prayer. I, I, I think that that's it. I you know you there was that element of intrigue for me because you sort of sit there and think, well, if Punk really is going, and you know you, you have your doubts, but if Punk really is going, surely they're not going to put him over. <coughs> But the way this is building, it, it's Chicago, all those sort of unknowns, if you like, really add to the drama for me. Whereas with the with the second match, which I think is a really good match, I think it's a great match, in fact. But going into, there was always that sense of well, we know how this is going to end, so it just takes away from the drama for me. You, you knew Cena was winning. Uh, bad news, Gertner on TPWW with three matches that haven't been mentioned yet. Hogan versus Rock from WrestleMania 18. I still get goosebumps watching this match. By far my favourite match of all time. Two of the most charismatic wrestlers in history doing what they do best. Uh, his second pick is Taker versus Mankind in Hell in a Cell. I love a good car crash and boy was this ever a big one. I've seen Mankind fly off that damn cell a thousand times and still find myself saying holy shit, it's 
it's never gotten old. And his third pick is Bob Backlund versus Jimmy Snooker in a steel cage match at MSG in 1982. Backlund doesn't get enough credit as a worker in my opinion. His mic skills sucked, but he had outstanding matches, this being one of them. Snooker missing the splash off the top of the cage and Backlund crawling out, with Snooker making a last gasp a leap to try and stop Backlund, is a fucking awesome visual. If you haven't seen this match, check it out. So three interesting picks there. The, ma- the Mankind Undertaker is just... I, d- uh, I don't know really, because it's not... I don't know how you guys feel about that match, but I just think there's better Hell in the Cells than that. One. Oh yeah, there's, there's better there's better Hell in the Cell matches, and I, mm. I say that as you know probably the biggest Foley fan round the table. But mm. but it's a spectacle nonetheless, and it's it's probably in a similar vein to Cena Lesnar from SummerSlam in the sense that it's sort of it, its own isolated sort of incident, if you like. Not compared to anything similar. Absolutely, because because you, you saw nothing like it before, and you've not. You've not really seen anything in in the same vein since, so it's so it's hard to hard to judge. I mean, with regards to the Hogan Rock one, I'm I'm you know, I'm not a fan of the match. There there is def from my perspective a, a smoke and mirrors element to it, but there's a nostalgia kick there. The crowd are molten for it, so I, I can see why that would that would resonate with with people and, and would would stay with them. Hogan Rock in particular. Um... I, I'm glad it happened in the sense of in, in wrestling obviously there's, there's people are separated by companies or, or, or separated by time um, and there was not really any part of me that ever conceived of the idea of a Rock Hogan match but when it happened and to be able to watch it yeah, I'm glad it happened you know yeah. I'm glad it was a thing that happened I mean the starting stare down was pretty freaking magical uh, I mean, the start of the match that was magical but the thing it was Harry me, Potter level I'm telling you <laughs> fucking the, the, the thing with this is I was never really a big Hogan fan, and I think that's where I think that where this argument begins and ends. If yeah. you if you were into the Hogan story in the beginning, and it's, it, yeah, Hogan's back in the WWF, and then you see this reaction, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. I wanted Hogan to fuck off in 1999. <laughs> I wanted to never see his fucking face again. I was sick of Hogan. And when I saw Hogan getting cheered, I had my head in my hands thinking, what are you people doing? What are you doing? What the hell is wrong with you people? He's like, he's going to get the belt if you do this. <laughs> and he did. He did. He did. He did. One that, month later. And that's always like, why, why are you, you've got the rock. The rock's, um, it's pure nostalgia again. Why? <laughs> Precisely. That's my thoughts in, in three letters right there so again I can't disagree with the pick in the absolute slightest it's personal picks and I can see why this this means a lot to a lot of people <laughs> Taker and Mankind's different though because Taker and Mankind seeing that in real time was fucking out of this world <laughs> in a period when you know, is dead it's like yeah, it's not exactly. hard to spend his plea for that because the fucking dude is dying out there so yeah. it's genuinely scary so yeah as a kid I could enjoy it more but as we mentioned with a few matches that have come up I, I can watch that match as far as the first fall off the cell and then it's one of those that I start to get a little yeah. twitchy on there's still, there's still a the more you know, control on that first bump. yes Everything else happens, you feel like that has no ha- business being out there right that's now. That's it. It's like, oh god, and yeah, and it, it, I get the same thing with the uh, the the match he has with the Rock with the chair shots, only yeah. because you know, yeah. and you know now to see Foley out there, having clearly been knocked out cold, whether it be from hitting the canvas on the second bump or whether or not it's the chair that hits him that does it. But for for a, for a, like a, a large group of wrestling fans, this was like the 
match like if you want to see something spectacular in 1999-2000 this is the match you show people because it's yeah, just so yeah. fucking crazy so th- there's, a, there's again there's so much about this match <laughs> Stevie G1980 on the UK fan form says Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit versus Edge and Rey Mysterio from No Mercy 2002 a classic tag match G was on your list we mentioned it last week uh, the Shield versus the Wyatt family gets a second pick here from him the energy and anticipation before the match was unreal the fact they exceeded such high expectations is a testament to all six guys even Eric Rowan watching it now brings chills all over and I must have watched it once maybe twice a month since and his third pick is Brian Danielson versus Nigel McGuinness from Unified which was one of Holty's picks last week I was there this made me a wrestling fan again I was completely burned out on WWE at the time and TNA was not doing much for me imagine that uh, I bought as much ROH as I could after this and finally watched all the stuff I taped off the wrestling channel security was so crap I took in and sank eight fosters during the show <laughs> <laughs> what a man <laughs> <laughs> a trick I repeated at the two five-year anniversary shows the next year. And again, I still get chills hearing about 700 people humming along to the final countdown. I love Danielson's cheap heat from the Beatles at the start, and the match just draws you into its own little bubble and you can't take your eyes off it. Similar to the Foley thing we just mentioned, though, the, uh, the McGuinness headbutts into the ring post yeah, yeah. and the headbutting each other like rams. That's, that's like, oh, you can't watch it now the same way. At least yeah. I don't, anyway. Yeah. Nick Davis on the Facebook page says hello boys fantastic idea for a topic my first pick would be Brett vs Austin from Mania 13 my second pick would be the three way between Chris Daniels Loki and Brian Danielson from the second Ring of Honor show these were the days before YouTube file sharing websites and so forth and I'd heard about this new promotion from America but had to wait a few months to get my hands on a VHS tape I've never seen anything like it with these guys just going all out using a style of professional wrestling that I could barely believe I was seeing this was the match that kickstarted my love of independent wrestling that continues to this day I was fascinated to learn there was a world outside the big three and I would dare to say if I had not seen this match I may not still be watching wrestling today uh, his third pick is AJ Styles versus Johnny Storm from FWA British Uprising I remember listening to the TalkSport wrestling show on a Saturday night and badgering my dad the tape to this show after some persuasion he agreed which was a big achievement as he hated wrestling I was blown away as a 12 year old kid the match itself was so cool to see live I'd only seen AJ a few times from early TNA weekly pay-per-views which again I'd, ob- I'd obtained from traders to see him in the flesh was something else and Johnny was the perfect dance partner. From that point forward for the next two years I went to every live event I could all over London and beyond. My dad actually begrudgingly enjoyed it although he would never admit it as when I asked him to take me to shows from that point forward he was a lot more agreeable about the idea. Thanks a lot guys writing this has brought back a lot of great memories for me so thanks and keep up the good work. So uh, two indie picks. Uh, the first one there the three from the second Ring of Honor show a good one. Luke you had a three way from Ring of Honor yourself I was about last to say, week. It makes it there were a damn it's, it's hard to have a damn good three way. It's like um, and and there there are but the thing is when they're good they are really fucking good. There's a few that might still crop up that haven't yet. Um, so I'm not going to go too much into that. And if they do, they do. If not, I might bring it up later. But Ring of Honor in particular has had some really good ones. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm quite fond of those those first kind of like early mm. shows of Ring of Honor where it just looked like he was in uh, some sort of uh, Mur- school school gymnasium or something it, it like was, that. It was the Murphy yeah. Rack Center. Because yeah. um, there's there's a couple of matches I remember specifically with, with going with Loki, a fantastic Loki AJ Styles match. Uh, quite early on, uh, there was another one. I think it might have been as part of a, a tournament or something, and it was uh, Loki versus Amazing Red. Yeah, it was the road to the title. Show. Yeah, that's it. And they just had like one of the greatest. 
beginnings of a match that I just thought was absolutely fantastic where Loki's just trying to throw all these kicks at Amazing Red and he's just dodging everything and they're flying around the crowd lose their fucking minds yeah. and like so did I because I just yeah. never saw anything like that someone just throwing that, those sort of kicks it's like a martial in arts that, movie yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and it, it was literally I think they even like the, the commentators even actually say like something like Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon or something like that yeah, yeah. Uh, at, at the fact that you know Amazing Red's dodging all these kicks you know and like he's blocking everything as like Loki's just like just basically charging at him throwing like forearms and everything it's like yeah Loki was great in that, that, those, er, those early Ring of Honor days you see Ring of Honor it's, it's come along at a fortunate time uh, it was a point where uh, through the internet uh, not obviously video via the internet a lot of that time but you could order things from the internet and get hold of things and so turning up at that moment it was a lot more accessible and so a lot of people it seems it's not just myself because I said a lot of the same stuff this guy did it opened my eyes it opened other people's eyes all at that time and that can mean a lot I didn't kind of realise there was anything outside of uh, you know the, the big E until um, uh, not that biggie uh, until until like they uh, from our side of things they, they did the wrestling channel mm. and suddenly it was just like Ring of Honor T- I heard of TNA but it's like TNA Ring of Honor uh, Noah New Japan like just everything on there and it was just like holy shit and at the time I didn't have Sky but I had like a friend at work who did and just basically just recorded like whole evenings <laughs> worth on, on like long play tapes and stuff so I'd just be there watching like uh, unfortunately every episode every uh, every one of those TNA paper, pay-per-views that they did and like all the Ring of Honor shows where they recapped yeah. all those early matches and stuff yeah and FWA where I got to see the AJ Styles Johnny Storm match mm-hmm. and also the Frontier of Honors show that they did where they I believe they did their rematch yep. as well mm-hmm. which was equally as good um, so yeah, so yeah, AJ. Yeah, he's had quite a few good matches, isn't he? I think, it? from a business point of view, it would have been more made more sense for them to be pay per not view. So like, if you pay, <laughs> you don't have to watch him. TNA is this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's probably not a more apt name than the Asylum, is there? <laughs> yeah, if, you, if you go on their YouTube channel, they've got a playlist of, of shows from those early days, which are actually called the Asylum Years. It's all very apt. I will say, I can't put an FWA match uh, or anything directly related to that into mine, if only because of that tiny fucking ring. Their ring. ring. If you wanted to do a vertical... Flash Barker, then. Eh? Flash Barker. If you wanted to do a vertical suplex... How about the Duke of Danger? (laughs) Jesus. You want to do a vertical suplex in that ring... And you are over five foot tall. You have to do it corner to corner. Yeah. Speaking from fucking oh, we experience. Know. We know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, it was a twelve footer. It was a fucking. Tw- yeah. They were doing big shows in twelve foot rings. It was crazy. <laughs> I, I also just remember the scene Birchon and then them just booking him like Lesnar and just thinking, wow, this guy's fucking phenomenal. He's fucking huge. He's signed with WWE. Oh my god, it's the new fucking Brock Lesnar. Oh. He's like six foot. <laughs> but at oh, least... It's just British people are really short. At least he became a pirate. And that ship sailed. <laughs> and that's all for the evening, folks. We're not going to top that. He's unbelievably proud of himself <laughs> in that one. He's so smug. <laughs> the cat that got the cream. Daz M on their 4W board says, Tanahashi versus Okada from Wrestle Kingdom 10. The greatest match I've ever seen. I was fully involved. They made me forget for about five minutes that it was wrestling and I felt like I was watching a sporting contest between two warriors his second pick is Brett versus Owen from Wrestlemania 10 just an amazing technical performance where every single move mattered and it told the perfect story and pick number 3 is Blood Generation versus Do Fixer from ROH Supercard of Honor I still shake my head in disbelief at this match now the spottiest of spot fests and I would need a break now and again from technical 
Storm Mastery. So uh, this car was uh, a fantastic match in 2006. We were big fans of it at the time that it came out. Yeah, for something completely different, I'm not opposed to having a match like this. Yeah, it's. I mean, if um, if if you love spot wrestling, this is. Uh... It doesn't get much better. It doesn't, to be no, it's, it's the pinnacle. I remember, if I remember rightly, I, I watched this by lending the DVD off you. It, yeah. it was one of those that came with your recommendation. I, uh, I'd, whilst I'd, I'd never considered myself to be the biggest fan in the world in, of, um, of, of sort of spot fest, I, I was still, you know, still blown away by the athleticism and, and the pace of the match. It's just so fucking quick. It's still quick and, and entertaining to watch, nonetheless. Yeah, in terms of um, the uh, Tanahashi Okada as well. I mean, I already kind of mentioned on the previous podcast, you know, like. I personally would go with the Invasion Attack show, but like obviously their their catalogue of matches are so fantastic. You know, yeah. it's potato, potato, whatever. It's quite obviously potato. <laughs> Not who's, potato. Who says potato. potato or tomato, tomato? Well, that, yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jimmy Redman on Pro Wrestling only says only three. You sir are an asshole. Cena versus Umaga. <laughs> Cena versus Umaga from the Royal Rumble 2007 is his first pick. My favorite match of all time. It's perfect in every way. It's Cena's best match. It's a war with bombs and weapons. It has a great story that involves. It's good versus evil. It has everything. His second match. His match actually got an awful lot of picks by surprise. Team Austin versus Team Bischoff from Survivor Series. 2003. My other favourite match of all time. It's the match that got me hooked on wrestling. I've watched it a hundred times and I never get tired of it. Even though I could probably recite the commentary now. The angle going in, the match as it unfolds, and then Shawn Michaels' performance and the heartbreaking finish, I love it all. And his third pick is Trish Stratus versus Mickey James from WrestleMania 22. If you include <laughs> Crazy Mickey, JR's manic commentary and the rebellious crowd before that kind of thing was commonplace. He's perfectly entitled to choose Mickey versus Trish, but for all the procrastinations and all the sort of claims in the world that he may wish to make, he's not going to convince me that he's picked it for any other reason than the Velik. <laughs> <laughs> Walker's crowd interest match, I, again, personally, couldn't put this anywhere near mine. What's the, the Survivor Series? Survivor Series with Sean bleeding. The great but... Shawn Michaels giving yes. the most masterful Survivor Series performance of all times. Yes. Was this one of Holty's picks, or was this one of his near... No, th this, this was one this of his, his uh, Yeah, this is one of his uh, honourable mentions, if you will, that got cut at the last minute. Mm. SBD on the UK fan form says, Bret Hart and Mr. Perfect from SummerSlam 91, Brian Danielson and Nigel McGuinness from Unified as well, and third, Rey Mysterio Jr. versus Juventud Guerrero from the Big Ass Extreme Bash Night 2 in ECW. I was introduced to ECW, and, like Hart and Perfect, it changed everything for me. The match had everything, whilst a lot of matches are in my mind. Having watched this recently, it was firmly at the forefront. The match he's talking about is the one where they, they brawl outside they do the hurricane on in the car it ends up with the, the splash mountain from the top yeah. opens to a hurricane runner cracking match I've seen I've got the video upstairs yes excellent stuff Ray Mysterio again there's a ton of Ray Mysterio matches you can pick and again yeah. he, he's chosen the one that made the first impression yeah, on him exactly. so, yeah exactly it's like mm. that's your introduction to Ray Mysterio yeah. so yeah good, good, good yeah. introduction yeah. first time I saw him I thought the same thing in that mm. match, you know, one of those matches with Dean Malenko and then seeing, seeing him against Psychosis in ECW that, when he debuted yeah. that match is fucking fantastic as well Sexy Dad on the UK fan forum with uh, Team Austin versus Team Bischoff as well um, Triple H versus The Rock from Backlash 2000 is another pick and CM Punk versus John Cena the third of their matches to get mentioned the one from Night of Champions 2012 this time I wasn't sure whether to put this or the Money in the Bank match but Punk's heel work the added Heyman and the New York Yankees pinstripe attire on Punk makes this in my opinion the highlight of Punk's heel championship reign and one of the best matches of the modern era so a little bit overlooked perhaps the thing that again holds this back for me is when we compare the other two, you've got the great near falls of Punk and Cena in the, in the one on Raw, all the drama and built up tension for money in the bank, and this one ends in a, in a draw. So I, I, I can't, I can't make that leap personally. Juan Manforce on the UK fan forum 
Goes with Kurt Angle vs. Shawn Michaels from WrestleMania 21. This is my favourite match of all time. At the time, I was starting to wonder if wrestling was for me anymore. But this was the feud I was really interested in going into Mania, and fuck me, they didn't disappoint. To me, this is still the perfect wrestling match no matter how many times I rewatch it. There were little to no stakes, but these guys went all out and stole the show. It was this match that made me realise that for better or worse, I was gonna be a lifelong wrestling fan because matches like this could still crop up even during the worst periods. His second pick is Bret Hart vs. Owen Hart from SummerSlam 1994. It wasn't until years later when I saw this match on WWE's Cage Match compilation DVD. I knew it was considered a 5 star match and genuinely wondered how that was even possible for a cage match. Then I watched it and saw those two masters go to work. This must have been over a decade after the fact. I knew fine well that Owen never won the big one, but there was enough drama and false finishes that I was on the edge of my seat throughout. A masterclass in in-ring psychology. It made me sad that I had missed out on the careers of these two until Brett was long retired and Owen was sadly long gone. There won't be another cage match this good again. Hell, probably few matches will be this good again. And his third pick is Rock and Triple H from Judgment Day 2000, the Iron Man match. This one I'm picking for mostly nostalgic reasons. 2000, as I'm sure it was for so many of us, was the peak of my wrestling fandom. I was an 11 year old Mark who hated that dastardly, bastardly Hunter Hearst Helmsley and loved The Rock more than I loved just about anything these days. It was the perfect storm of overbooked anarchy, with some damn good wrestling to boot. And for as many of the returns as he's had, to this day it's still the best return Undertaker has ever had. Forget that, his return here is still my favourite moment in wrestling history. I was crushed as a child that Triple H won the title back on this bullshit DQ after DX had been interfering on his behalf. But isn't that what wrestling's supposed to do? Make you feel something? A couple of choices there that haven't been mentioned previously. The Bretto and Cage match, which uh, Carl was your number one pick, if I recall correctly, for your favourite SummerSlam match of all time. When we did those uh, th- that podcast previously. And Rock Triple H Iron Man. A lot of WWF Cage matches tend to sort of get frowned upon because because of the element of the escape from the cage. I, I, I appreciate why a lot of fans don't necessarily like that because... The sense is you want these two men involved who've been involved in a blood feud, whoever they may be, for it to culminate in a cage where you know it's sort of a, a battle to the death. There's a, there's a barbaric nature to it. Whereas obviously, with this match, it's it's not blood and and guts and something. It's very much the dra- the drama, if you like, of of trying to escape from the cage and the the near ones. And I think there's there's one in particular that just sticks in my mind where Brett is edging towards the door and Owen just jumps out arms yeah. fully stretched almost like a superman to grab Brett's heel so, and I, um, I, I I absolutely loved the match at the time I love it to this day um, I believe I, I did vote at my favourite SummerSlam match at the time I'm not sure if that would still be the case now in ah. retrospect but but still there's, there's, um, there's an element of nostalgia to it and a warm fuzzy feeling I still get from that match we touched on, on the Lesnar Angle Iron Man match from um, from SmackDown on the last show, and I, I I did wonder if this one would get a mention. I I always enjoyed it. I think almost in part because of how how well it sort of contrasts, if you like, from the from the uh, the Mania Twelve match with Brett and Sean, you know, with Rock and Triple H. It's clearly two guys who are working together, so it helps the flow of the match. It doesn't feel like it drags much because there are some falls in there. And there's there's you know the nice psychology thrown in with the the chair shot going to the immediate pin. Um, that being said, wasn't the biggest fan of the finish, regardless of whether or not it's the Undertaker returning. Um, and whilst I appreciate what the email is saying about, isn't that what wrestling's supposed to do? Make you feel something. I was just genuinely irritated. <laughs> you know, I I wasn't sort of caught up in the emotion. I was just genuinely irritated that Triple H had the belt back so quickly so they didn't do it at mania they did it at backlash and then they gave him three weeks 
Fuck. Victory on Pro Wrestling Only says the Midnight Rockers versus Buddy Rose and Doug Summers from the AWA in uh, 1986. The first time I saw this match was when they aired it almost 30 years ago. I was a teenager then, and even now it's still just as tremendous. The perfect tag match with great hope spots and awesome selling. The inclusion of blood just adds to the greatness, especially with the Rockers wearing white, makes for an awesome visual. Post match stuff is fun as well. Sean's great here, juicing all over the place. Precursor of what we would see at Survivor Series 2003. Great stuff here, and they, and they both get, get, get juice. Very, very good match, love that one. Uh, SummerSlam 92's Randy Savage vs Ultimate Warrior gets a pick here from Victory on PWO. I know a lot of people prefer the retirement match, but to me this one's better. I will admit the finish isn't as good. I do like the flair and perfect interference stuff. To me, both guys work hard with a lot of back and forth action. I also love the pageantry during the intros with the stare down, a really fun match. And finally, his third pick is... Sting vs Cactus Jack from Beach Blast, WCW in 1992. This is the type of match where I really think Sting is in his element. He seems to do great in a brawling type of setting. This match was a bunch of fun spots without overdoing it. It sets a great tempo right from the start with Cactus waiting for Sting on the ramp where they immediately go right at it. This really stresses the hatred these two have for each other. This is a match I just can't get enough of over the years. So uh, three completely different picks there, Sting and Cactus, very interesting one. Yeah, did it cross your mind, Carl? I, I must be. It, uh, it really didn't. If, if I'm, if I'm, being, honest, <laughs> if I'm, be, if I'm being honest, it, it really didn't. But if I'm not mistaken, didn't Foley for a while say that he thought this was his best match? Yeah, at, yeah, least, at least, at least, at least up until Mind Games. It is a really fun match. Um, I, I do like all the sort of the interplay with the ramp. If I'm not mistaken, the match actually ends with Sting doing a flying clothesline off the top to the ramp. Yeah, yeah. So it starts it's, and ends there. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a fun match, and it's um it's worth sort of mentioning that obviously Foley was only brought in initially for that sort of one or two month period to get Sting over. So again, testament to how wonderful Mick Foley is that he gets a long term contract. Out of, it. <laughs> of course, bang bang. The, the first time I saw any match going to the crowd, I think this when I was a kid. I bought this tape from a swap it shop. If you remember those things wow. yeah. back in 1993. And uh, yeah, just just seeing you know the, the backdrop to the concrete floor and the suplex on the concrete floor. Of course, this is during the Bill Watts period, so there's a lot of concrete around during this era. But... And a Mick Foley body scissors. Yeah, it's as rare as that is. Yeah, but a uh, cracking match though. Uh, not not a bad pick. Jari on TPWW says Cena versus Punk, Money in the Bank, Shield versus the Wyatt Family. And Chris Jericho versus Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 19. Still my favourite match after all these years. There have been so many contenders, uh, but this was the first time I saw my two favourites go at it and they delivered in a way I didn't think possible for what was a poorly booked Jericho and a part-time HBK. They may have gone on to have a more well-rounded feud, which culminated in main event matches, but this is still, by a distance, their best match in my opinion. You just thought of the ladder match with uh, Jericho yeah. and Shawn. Oh, yeah, that's a great match. What a great match. Isn't it coming across how great Shawn Michaels is in this podcast? <laughs> I knew this was coming. Well, well, between, well, between you licking his ass well, and him licking his nature for people ass. you Jesus. like Kieran is deplorable. Cut me off when I was talking about Ric Flair. <laughs> yeah. Do you consider this match? You got, you got two um, no, I, I completely forgot about it, to be honest. <laughs> well, there but you that's go. The point. Classic. That's the point. There's so many great Shawn Michaels matches in different situations. Uh, Gary Thompson on the Facebook page says, Hi, guys. First will be AJ Styles versus Daniels versus Samoa Joe at TNA Unbreakable in 2005. For me, it had everything a match should be. Simple. Again, a nod to the uh, great three ways that you mentioned there and got mentioned last week. Uh, the second match is Savage Steamboat from Mania 3. The build-up was great. I love the building story and the actual match. And finally, AJ Styles versus Bully Ray at TNA Bound for Glory 2013. 
Because of the stupid... <laughs> because of the stupid Aces and Eights story was ended by AJ, and he could leave TNA as champion. Also, I enjoyed the match as a whole. TNA was in the crap, and AJ basically said, I'm the champion and I'm leaving. Keep up the good work. Love the award-winning podcast. So he's the one guy who watched that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I, I, to be honest, I... I if I'm taking three matches, I'm not taking a TNA one. I'm making that clear right now. Nothing against the three from Unbreakable. That's a cracking no, match. I was yeah. going to say, if, if there is a TNA match that I that would have made the list, it quite easily could have been that, that, that one. That or probably Joe and AJ from like a couple of months before in the Super Axe Cup. was a great match. That was good. I, I also liked um, Daniel's Stars, which was, I almost don't want to call it an Iron Man match because it was only 30 minutes. but, oh. but it, Against um, all odds. Against, oh, yeah. against all odds. But, but again, yeah, a really good match. But... Um, no, in all honesty, when I'm when I was thinking of a three, I did not feel the need to uh, visit TNA at any point. <laughs> what about the, uh, the 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 four year later rematch? Was it Turning Point? Turning Point two thousand nine. Yeah, that wasn't bad. Threat as well. Mm, I remember that. No, no, that that was good. Yeah, it was good, but it didn't come close to it. Yeah, because that had like no, no build to it. Apart yeah. from just the fact of, oh, remember that match that was really successful four years ago? Because, sure. like, we found Joe, that barrel again. Let's Joe stop scraping. Still, yeah, because <laughs> was still wearing his nappy and uh, having like the, the you know the, the cock on his face. Yeah, the cock uh. on his face, and like AJ just got into the tights and whatever, and they just they were just. It was nothing, and yeah. it, was, it was basically a match that was clutching at straws. Mate, so much. Sure as shit, wasn't a turning point for the company, was it? Car bomb on the UK fan form says Bret Hart versus Roddy Piper from WrestleMania Eight, probably my favourite match ever. In fact, I frequently describe it as a movie in a match. Great stories on both sides going into it. Simple but excellent build-up. Brilliantly paced. Good action and a great moment of people drawing on a legend's history to plead with him not to go back to his old ways, but to carry on being the hero he's become to them. So a good candidate there. Second pick is the Generation X versus Legacy at SummerSlam 2011. For a long time, I was very much of the opinion that a simple singles match was the best presentation of wrestling there was, and I disagreed with the assertion that the tag match was the best. However, because of this match, I'm now not so sure. And even though the other DX Legacy tag matches were hailed as better, I just love this one. It's a tag war that you can't help but be drawn into. Even Ted Beige Lightning DBRC Jr. has a good showing in it. And his final pick is Milano Collection AT versus Ryo Saito from Dragon Gate 2005. An awesome build-up with the promos, vignettes, and talking heads discussing how Saito, an upcoming and exciting new talent, had faced the leader of the Italian Connection twice before and lost both quite convincingly. The drama stemmed mainly from the idea that Saito couldn't beat him and that Milano just had too much for Saito to overcome. The match itself was a brilliant expression of that story, with Milano outsmarting Saito at every turn and then suddenly something clicks and nothing Milano throws at Saito works anymore. The veteran becomes increasingly desperate as Saito fights out of every submission, counters every hold and then finally hits back with his own big gun winning the match with the oddly named Premium Bridge. A load of fun. So uh, three interesting matches there that hadn't been mentioned elsewhere, but uh, Brett and Piper, obviously of those three, Brett and Piper is the one that I think most people would probably draw to. Mm. Yeah, what the hell, use the bell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> From a nostalgia point of view, this match has got it going on. Yeah, it's, it's a, a great match, and you know, thankfully Brett was able to soldier on from that uh, inadvertent blade job that, uh, that occurred. That was just, you know... That was just that awful. Shoot punch to the nose. It's just a, it's such a shame that, that that happened. Just think how how much that could have affected the match. But you know, Brett, the professionally was pulled, pulled one out. But no, it's um, it's it's a really really good match. You know, I'd, I'd argue it's it's the making of Brett to me in many respects. I, sort of perfect puts him on the map. But the Piper match for me sort of cements him as, as someone who's... He, Piper's a true top yeah. guy in this time, so... Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And when, when did you ever see Roddy Piper do a clean job? When was Roddy Piper ever pinned on WWF TV? He wasn't. Mm. So, you know, it, it's, it's a landmark match in, in that sense. But, um, 
know, the psychology is fantastic. I've talked about how great a storyteller Brett is. The, the elements of playing possum throughout the match are really fun. And it's, uh, it's a forgotten gem in the sense of the Monsoon Heenan commentary team. Because, mm. you know, that sort of, from the rumble through to this mania, I think, is, is their peak on commentary. And uh, and they are fantastic on the call in this match as well. I always kind of feel with this match that whilst uh, obviously everyone accepts how great it is, I always feel it's kind of um, slightly underplayed when when if when people kind of talk about the you know the great uh, babyface be babyface kind of matchups. You know they'll they'll always maybe talk about other matches like Rock and Austin or or Hogan, um, Wario and so on. And and this one kind of gets overlooked quite a bit because every time I watch it, it seems uh, to get better. Uh, each time the promo before the match backstage is, is fantastic and just kind of general build and I think like how, however great Brett is uh, which we can all uh, rack lyrical about I think Piper I think this is my favorite hands down my favorite Piper match oh it's it's, it's Piper's last it's, great match yeah it's, it's absolutely I think he, I think the way he works is absolutely fantastic in terms of like he, he does what obviously he knows best which is the kind of brawling style but also at certain times during the match he also tries to actually like wrestle Brett as well he tries to try to match him at his own game and so on and, and, and creates quite, such a great dynamic and you know obviously it helps that uh, you know the crowd completely into it and also that there's just a moment with, with the bell as well and, and, and Roddy Piper's just kind of like looking at the bell and he's just kind of like wondering like should he do it or not and like I think I thought like Brett Brett was great in the kind of like you know just as in the babyface worker role but I thought Roddy Piper really kind of like stood out in terms of like the character development during that match I just think it was uh, I don't think it's quite appreciated enough the other thing that was rare during this time too was babyface matches, which is the reason why this stuck out to me so much as a kid. Because this is a, a match where if you actually put this on today with two similarly positioned people, there's a risk that the crowd would be dead silent because they wouldn't know what to do. But here, the, people were very passionate about about both guys, and it made for a really great dynamic. So yeah, good emotional pick there. We're going to get to a few more because uh, we're, we're looking at the time here, so we're going to get some individual picks. Laz on Pro Wrestling only says the Cruiserweight Battle Royal and subsequent Cruiserweight title match at Slamboree 1998. Bit of a cheat here, but it was one glorious segment tonight count it as one whole thing. Jericho introducing the contenders for a match brought on by a Milenko suspension for violating a no-touch clause instigated by Jericho, and his ridiculous burying of them on the introductions instantly made the match entertaining. As far as battle royals go, it's nothing special. Then the end happens. Hoovy, just a few short months after losing his master Jericho, shakes the hand of El Ciclope and eliminates himself, granting Ciclope the immediate title shot. Jericho confused what is on as Ciclope begins to willingly unmask, and it's Dean Milenko. The last few minutes are a complete squash as Dean lays into Jericho harder than he's ever laid into anyone and my favourite moment in wrestling history ends with Milenko holding the cruiserweight title that pop when he insane yeah. and when it it's, the- it's almost like Milenko's not the most charismatic guy in the world <laughs> what you know a great wrestler not most charismatic but when you see that particular moment it's just kind of like Fuck me, man. Just, just that moment where it's just like the general confusion of Juvie just eliminating himself and going, what the fuck's going on? And it just reveals to be Malenko. And the crowd just comes unglued. I, I'm not that much of an expert on like WCW, you know, biggest pops of all time. But I'm thinking it's that's got to be up there. It's got to be top 10, surely. It's, it's, it's fucking massive. The unmasking's huge. And then when he gets him in the corner, there's like the Austin kicks in the corner. Yeah. And people are just pissing themselves. It's absolutely unreal. So yeah, this is one of those ones where as much as I do love this moment yeah. it makes me so sad because it's like yeah. look how fucking over some of these guys yeah. were yeah. and the company's dead in less than three years it's so sad but yeah 
taking that aside, excellent choice. Ian86 on the UK fan forum with one that was uh, very much out of left field here. Triple H versus Sting from WrestleMania 31. Oh, Defin- go on, go on. Definitely, neither man's best match from a technical point of view, but two of my favourites growing up and I really enjoyed the match. Having grown up in the 90s, seeing them all in a ring together still seems somehow surreal, but it happened. And despite the silly ending, it was thoroughly enjoyable. Triple H was always going to win, and the ending was always going to be respectful, and the handshake for me is a real WrestleMania moment. Just a shame it had to follow a weapon shot, because logic. The NWO and DX run-ins added a much appreciated nostalgia boost, even if the idea of the NWO running, well, walking slowly, into same Sting seemed a little bizarre given their history but it was preferable to Luger who I guess was the alternative <laughs> you know when I mentioned about um, The Rock and Hogan with all time lining up and these things Sting Triple H time didn't line up past primes everybody bunch of pensioners walking to the ring this, <laughs> this is the opposite of that Rock Hogan match yeah and Luger he didn't have to be Luger they could have Robocop oh of course yeah and Chucky why the fuck not he also picks uh, AJ Daniels and Joe from Unbreakable but his third pick is Bret Hart versus the British Bulldog from In Your House 5 one of my favourite matches ever miles better than the SummerSlam one he says this was my first pick and I'm pleased I didn't notice anyone else pick it because I absolutely love it In Your House 5 has always been a guilty pleasure and I think this match is the main reason I loved these two guys growing up and this always felt like a real big deal my only slight criticism it could have done with less Diana Cam I guess Matilda was already booked but even her girl, <laughs> Matilda the Dark. <laughs> but even her gurning through it wasn't wasn't enough to ruin it for me. <laughs> Brilliant take. It's uh, yeah. This this. Uh, well, first off, I absolutely agree with them. I I actually, funnily enough, preferred this match over the SummerSlam one. I just remember I never I never seen this match before. Right, obviously when it when it happened, and it was a part of uh, I think it's on the the, the Bret Hart set that came out yeah, and just for some clarification this was, this happened during the period where you weren't watching yeah, yeah. Um, and I was on I was on the train heading uh, to, to uh, Wolverhampton for uni and I was watching this match on the train and uh, I can't even begin to imagine what the people on the train <laughs> was thinking I was watching as I was probably to probably describe it is probably the, my reactions were probably quite similar to when Kieran's watching a Shawn Michaels match without his trousers on, something like that. You know, just general, just general screaming. And I haven't got my trousers on, or Shawn Michaels hasn't got his trousers on. <laughs> I, I just, I just remember obviously just the bloodletting and so on, and just some of the spots. I also, th- also remember like Bulldog pretty much pile driving himself on the head. I think I think he gets Irish whipped into the turnbuckle oh, there, yeah, and he yeah. just and and he just does like he just obviously he just does like the flip bump into the turnbuckle, it's but real, does nothing it's, it's to like, protect his fall, and he just lands square on his head. It's, it's something Dynamite used to do. He stole it from Dynamite. It's, it's a stupid it's, idea. It's, it's an awful idea. It's he just throws himself upside down. He bile tries himself. <laughs> it's fucking weird. I just remember screaming at it and having to rewind it and watch it like several times as everyone's just sat around me. He's going, "What the fuck?" this guy watching <laughs> not J-Tab and Pro Wrestling only with another one as been mentioned the 10 man tag team match from Survivor Series 88 I think you need one really long match to pass the time and something like this with 20 wrestlers in will have so much going on that it'll still be great on repeated viewing plus I've always loved this match it's just so much fun wrestling is comfort food we did talk about this one on our History of Survivor Series shows back in November that we did last year a really fantastic match 10 tag teams a lot of craziness Vintage late 80s gold here from the WWF. One of the better matches in Survivor Series history. Can't disagree with this one too much. It's a great pick. 
ending's a little funky with a double turn, but I kind of like it, so I'm, I'm, I don't hold it against it. And the pace is just great. They can they can do the frequent tags here. The action sustains the pace much better than the 87 multi-tag one in my book, I guess. Although the Conquistadors get to the end is a little bit confusing. Yeah, that's <laughs> that, that's quite bizarre with the, the Conquistadors. And yeah, At uh, least Jesse puts it over as a shark, you know, that's kind of cool. Well, yeah, they, they don't, uh, they don't uh, downplay it by any means, which, which is a nice touch. It adds sort of that... Almost gives it that sporting element to it in the sense that you mentioned, you know, you'd have had long odds on the Conquistadors last uh, being being the final team. The pace, I think, there is is key to it because there are so many people involved, and you can have the quick tags. It you know it, it helps keep your attention throughout. There's no there's no lulls in it, and it is a far superior match to the one that that had gone the year before. Plus, it's got a fantastic spine buster from Arn. Yeah, and a great, oh, 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 some great oh, Tully Blanchard oh, moments. Oh, to chicken shit Tully Blanchard not wanting to uh, lock up one of the powers of pain is glorious. Yeah, I, I was going to say like uh, a definite plus in uh, in the column there is uh, is, is Arn Anderson, and I can't <laughs> have realised it in my own three that I have not got Arn Anderson in there anywhere. Yeah, gutted. Uh, Lionel Clark on the Facebook page picks the Royal Rumble 2001, my personal favourite Rumble match ever. It was the first I watched and still holds up to this day with some great moments and the WWF at the peak of its powers. Obvious bias and nostalgia, but if I could take one Royal Rumble, it would be this one. So that's kind of a surprise because uh, 92, like we said, got so many nominations, but the only other Rumble match that got nominations at all was 2001. Yeah, I remember when we um, we did our sort of uh, our show looking back at the at the history of the Royal Rumble, and I think. Um, a lot of us, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, had 2001 as a show generally in, in pretty high regard. Mm. But I don't think we sort of elevated it so much on on the basis of the Rumble itself. Mm. Whereas I think you know Rumble '92 is is just you know if you look at that as a show, the the the, the Rumble match itself is so much of a standout as, as a contrast. Yeah. The 2001 match is very good though I mean there's a lull in the middle but it's, it's got enough beats yeah, and ebbs and yeah. flows and I, th- I think the ending is fantastic the, the ending's great because you get the, the Rock Austin sort of stare off at, you know oh he's meeting across the ring sort of thing which which is a nice touch and whilst I'm not the uh, the biggest Kane fan in the world if you're going to use it as a vehicle to give someone a bit of impetus you know I have no problem with that being sort of an element to a Raw Rumble I was just I, I was never the biggest fan of the, the, the hardcore bit no? For me, I wasn't the biggest fan so, of that to me, to me, it's the Bradshaw, Albert, Kane section that follows it that's more offensive to me, to be quite honest. Poor Ooh. Rock, out to work with these schlubs. Uh, Ian Littler on the Facebook page says, Austin vs. Hart from Mania 13 is the obvious first choice. The second would be Brock Lesnar vs. The Rock from SummerSlam 2002. This match was the one that truly put Brock on the path to being the star he would become. But not only was it important, it's also an amazing match. The crowd was absolutely molten as well, and really got behind Brock as the match went on. It's amazing to think that as recently as 2002, they knew how to get a newcomer over to the masses so quickly. Amazing, as recently as 14 years, years ago. ago. It's yeah. all relative, I suppose. I suppose it's all relative. Hey, great match. We mentioned this again on our uh, our favourite SummerSlam matches of all time podcast we did uh, in the previous year. Very underrated match, I personally feel. Again, yeah, but it's that's that, that first memory kind of thing. And if you're a massive Brock mark, then I can see why, yeah, it's, it's Brock's rise to, ascent, rise to glory. Um, as a match, though... No, because I mean we talked about it before Rock's performance and working like going going heel and working mm. that crowd is kind of a beautiful thing in its own right. Yeah. Um, so I can understand why it'd be in there. I mean, not for me personally, yeah. but yeah, yeah, I wouldn't put it in my in my three. But I think I think it's definitely a viable choice. But from when we we did the, the SummerSlam uh, podcast, uh, you know, uh, rating the matches and so on, and, and and I think we were we were basically on on opposite sides 
both of the praising. Uh, it were both praising it, as in you were like praising The Rock and like uh, how great he was, like selling the whole uh, interaction with the crowd and so on. And I was just praising like, like Brock Lesnar, as in this was the match that actually, like for me, I, I just kind of watched it and went, oh shit, like this is the guy now. This is going to be the guy. Was that good? Un- 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 <laughs> until yeah, then, rough, he was man. just like, ah, okay, he's like someone that they look like they might put. It's totally... But when he beat The Rock, he was like, whoa, he's the fucking guy. Yeah, that's, now. That, that's the book. I mean, this is Rock's mm. match. I mean, that crowd, you said before, mm. they were. Splattering of anti-rock sentiment and not a lot pro for him really. And then when he starts doing this, when he picks up on it and he just yeah, he starts playing to it and he just turns it completely seventy-five percent. Yeah. You know, in favor of Brock Lesnar, it's just it was just um, great performance. Yeah. The, the, the thing that stands out about this match, obviously, not only is the making of Brock, but like you said, there's there's those matches that happen in wrestling history where the crowd doesn't respond the way they're expecting, yeah, yeah, yeah. and nobody's as good at reacting to that as Rock is. Rock's so good at playing off it and, and making it part of the match. And I think it's I, I don't know why, but it always annoys me for for some reason when people talking about that match act like it was people just happening to boo the Rock and getting behind Brock when it was a New York crowd that knew Rock was leaving and that's yeah. the reason they booed it's as simple as that but it's you know again but Brock was right place right time there for being the uh, the beneficiary because I thought they'd actually done a pretty subpar job prior to the, the involvement with the Rock of actually building Brock up like be- beating a bunch of slubs he lost by DQ to the Hardy Boys on a Raw well, well I'm guessing that King, guessing, King of the Ring yeah, was I'm fine that's where they thought King, that's where the King of the Ring's was. fine but then again after that it's like, okay so yeah. Vengeance against Van Damme loses by DQ again so it didn't really it didn't really sort of th- that late of focus on Brock I don't think was really there until the direct uh, interaction with Rock and as soon as that started it got much what, better what about, what about yeah, the direct no it all interplays it, there, there is involvement with there's involvement with Rock first and then Hogan is Sort of shoehorned in for contendership show. but it's but it's it was a nice it was a, it was a very nice way of making Brock part of making him the real deal making him a legitimate threat in the sense of you know when do you ever see Hogan lose on TV to a bear hug yeah. You know, he's lost to a bear he's covered in blood and Lesnar smears it across his chest as a trophy so it's that you know that to me it, it was at the, sort of that point where the, the focus is properly there they'd started the interaction with The Rock it goes up a notch with that and then by the time you get to SummerSlam I forget who the uh, the head coach of the Chicago Bears was when he went off on the rant but uh, you want to go and crown his ass <laughs> go ahead and crown him because <laughs> Lesnar is who we thought he was <laughs> And uh, the final pick here that we're going to get to today from Ian Littler is Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon from WrestleMania 10. It was the second wrestling tape I ever bought after the horror show that was WrestleFest 92. And I'd never, <laughs> <laughs> and I'd never seen anything like this match before. It's in many ways is better than the more spectacular matches that would follow as it incorporated both stunts and logic in the way it was built. You got the thought throughout that these guys were determined to get the belt, not that they were looking to do some cool spots like in more recent matches. A pretty much perfect match that I will never tire of watching. Watching. Correct, Amundo. <laughs> this, of course, being pick number three. Well, that's pick number one. Well, well, there you go. <laughs> pick number one. This is my nostalgia match. The, 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 the. It's like the first time you make love to a beautiful woman. What's that like? <laughs> <laughs> it's like the first time you make love to a beautiful woman, and it doesn't matter how many times you make love to her over the years you'll never forget that first time and for me and Shawn Michaels this is the case no matter how many great Shawn Michaels matches I saw over the years I will always remember this one special oh god yeah it's, it's so hard for me to not put it on my in my three over, over the course of the show we haven't really talked too much about ours because it, it, we've just chimed in Kieran you've got Austin and Brett you've got Shawn and Triple H at SummerSlam and you've got Shawn and Razor at Mania 10 yeah Okay, so I guess it's crunch time for me personally. Yeah, come on. Brett and Austin at Mania 13. Sean 
and Angle oh. from WrestleMania 2005 because I just think that's a great all the other great matches from Sean again the Hell in a Cell with Taker was on the fringe as well because I absolutely love that match uh, and this ladder match has got a lot of personal value for me personal nostalgia and, I, and I've seen it so many times I can see it in my head I, 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 can, I can hear the well, you call take it with you then. <laughs> in many ways that's what I kind of yeah. feel to be honest whereas Angle and Michaels I can sit back and it's like these two guys work so well in such a great way because they start the match where the crowd's kind of with it and they're just kind of watching and it builds and builds and builds oh, I just, I no. it's the, the story's so great with Sean out wrestling Angle with a headlock like you know, Angle just completely blitzes him on the mat and then when Sean gets the headlock Angle can't get out and there's, there's a lot of interplay based on the fact that Kurt's having trouble with this fucking headlock it finally goes to the floor and when it does that's when Angle Angle slams his back into the post opens up the weakness Angle goes to town and then the comeback the, the dramatic crawl back into the ring after the table spot it's all so good the near falls are absolutely fucking unreal the Angle slam off the top I piss my pants out every time when the crowd goes crazy I love Angle's reaction Angle's great in this match and I just love that scene as, as Sean's getting up so slowly and Angle just fucking rises like a horror film monster and just chops his leg out puts him in the ankle lock and just the best in my opinion and, and this is to me we've talked before about Triple H and, and Taker and the suspense in that match the suspense they had in the finish with a slow tap on the Hell's yeah. Gate pales in comparison to this for me Angle and Michaels Michaels is lying on the mat trying definitely shaking with everything he has raising the hand lowering it down a little bit to teach the tap it was just so good I, wa- I, I watched this match and went at the end and he's got the ankle lock on I find myself kind of kind of like shaking the way Sean is like oh, I should get a tap get nervous anxiety like for this match that I've watched about 50 times and to me that's, uh, that's special uh, watching this match it's just it's just watching two masters at work and I love it for that reason fuck it I'm dropping Steve Austin oh, <laughs> oh. so hang on three Sean I'm going with that was, what I wasn't going to do <laughs> I started off and I thought I'm going to have three matches with six different guys so I've got variety. Fuck it. I'm having three Shawn Michaels <laughs> matches. <laughs> so you're going for Shawn and Angle as well? Yeah, yeah. I've I, talked you in. You've talked me in. So, so we've got, we got Angle and Shawn for me, Brett and Austin for me, and yeah. my third and final pick is going to be the 1992 Royal Rumble. I was going to go, I was very close to going with Masao and Kabashi against Kwada and Tawe from uh, June 95. Because I love Kabashi and I, want, I wanted a Kabashi match in there. But when I'm weighing that up, it's like, do I want to watch an awesome, maybe the best tag match ever done? It's, my favorite, it's one of my favorite tag matches ever done. It's brilliant. Or a slice of wrestling from when I was a kid and I watched the 92 Rumble so many times on tape and just watching it so much and just like it just brings back all these memories for me as, as like you know, seeing Hogan seeing Savage seeing Taker seeing Jake seeing Piper seeing you know all these little things come together Masterclass from Heenan and Monsoon has been, has been said a thousand times so I'm going to go with the 92 Rumble as my third and final pick um, I just just comment. Uh, I I found it interesting when you were just commenting then about like why you wouldn't pick number ten, even though it's nostalgia because you remember it so well. And it was only after we kind of did the the last podcast, I kind of realised in myself with my own picks, I was like, because I picked Savage and Warrior, that I actually know that match move for move already in my head. <laughs> so it's not like I actually needed to bring it with uh, bring it with me. And so like this last week or so, I have like. Been no, regretting. No, no. <laughs> you're, you're not Calm allowed down. to change your picks. I'm not on the plane yet on the island. All right. It's just, I said if, if if I was able to change, I might I might change the uh, the Savage uh, Ultimate Warrior just because I do remember that match like the back of my hand. This lack of conviction is what's the problem with you millennials. All right, Carl. Which one do you want to change? I'm you're not, griping because I'm you not, want to change. I'm not one. changing any. I've got a spine like a ramrod. Yeah, he's gonna be the only one on the island just goes osteoporosis <laughs> 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 
He's going to be the only one on the island just going, fuck, I should have changed mine. <laughs> we have stretched the gamut of your selections. If we didn't get to yours over the past two shows, we apologise. We did literally have so many to get to. Uh, I, I found this really fun. Two fun nostalgia shows in a row talking about great matches in a, in a different way than we usually would. As, as Matt said, Matt Holt, who was here last week with us and, and, and coined this concept for us, on another given Sunday, it's another three matches on the list, and I think that's the the great thing. This is this has been a fun couple of shows to kind of restore my faith in pro wrestling after some questionable stuff going on in uh, in real time. So yeah. I, I will say that uh, this has been a blast. We will not be back next week for you listeners out there. We're having a week off because the following week we are returning to the Monday Night War timeline. March and April of 1998 and I can't wait for this show because fucking everything changes Tyson oh my god it's just I've got the notes ready already and it's just it's fucking great absolutely intriguing period behind the scenes of course we're going to have notes from the Wrestling Observer newsletters of the time as always uh, for a lot of backstage information about two of the most important months in the Monday Night War coming up on this next show so again that's in two weeks time we will be back then so thank you very much for listening thank you for all of your nominations for G. John Chase you make me want to be a better man. It's a quote from a Helen Hunt movie. <laughs> For Carl Jones. Make sure you pay it forward, everybody. For Luke Edwards. Much like the movie that earned Helen Hunt an Oscar, this really has been as good as it gets. <laughs> and for Kieran O'Rourke. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> I am Liam O'Rourke and we are out of here. Talk to you in two weeks. Bye.